welcome to Koshien Cast, the podcast where your hosts get the same haircut so they'll stop fighting. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Hi, Matt. You know, the fact that we do have the same name, there is some, some overlap with the twin concept. Should we start referring to each other as me? <laughs> okay, now I got the joke. I, I somehow missed it. I don't know how. Matt, are you not a two-card diehard like I am? I... I remember a lot from this episode. I also try and choose to forget as much as I can about Tukar, though. Fair enough. Well, either way, welcome to week seven of the fall anime season, where we're going to cover every sports anime that aired between November 12th and November 18th. Matt, do we have any news, announcements, or questions? Uh, we have no news or announcements. I have a question for you, though. Okay. Uh, so, Matt. Yes. Have you ever enjoyed... A, a any sort of form of entertainment like, like a movie yes a TV show. the answer is yes <laughs> okay so glad we've established i'm glad we've established that have you uh, so, yes yes i have oh okay do you have a follow-up question i do i do so within this form of medium uh, like, yeah. so either a movie a tv show an anime has there ever been something you that you've known like you really know in your heart it's really bad but you kind of came out really enjoying it anyway. Yes. It's tough because... I I think there's so much of a tendency towards enjoying things ironically that it's hard to assess whether you actually enjoyed it or you were just right. like... So this, is this... Is that what you're asking? It doesn't... No, I, I would say more on the lines of, like, genuine enjoyment. Like, you know you know, everyone else thinks it sucks, but you sincerely think it's good and Like, fun. you you may even realize that it's not very good, but there's still kind of a part of you that just, like, really enjoyed it. It's a good question. I'm going to think a minute, because I have a feeling that you have an answer. Okay, I do have an answer, alright? Okay. Uh, so... I don't know if you remember this or not. There was one that you told me was like, hey, you should watch this. It's vaguely interesting. And uh -huh. uh, it was Rumbling Hearts. Oh, yeah. Uh, that it is, is vaguely interesting. It is vaguely interesting. It is not... Like, that series is such a melodrama. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's so overwrought. And frankly, it's also kind of dumb. But I, I don't know. I, I can't... I can't help but kind like I found myself almost weirdly engrossed in it. Yeah, uh, it was. It, that, I guess that one fits for me. Too. I don't know. I don't know if it's universally acknowledged that it's not good. Um, I have seen a lot of dissent on. Like, if you look at reviews for it, it's very middle of the road. I would say, uh, from what I've seen of reviews, like we're talking like like probably like C's. I would yeah. say. Uh, th I, I get it. Um, it's not, it, it, it's, it can be a bit much, yeah. but I also found myself waking up at like five o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep because I had to know how it ended. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, I got super, I was invested. Wow. Well, yeah. And from what I remember, the ending is certainly something. Um, so <laughs> it might be worth revisiting. I did uh, come up with an answer for you. Oh, excellent. I was just sort of, luckily, 
uh, I was recording in my living room so I could turn around and see uh, most of my shelves. Uh, Nadesco, Prince of Darkness. Oh! I mean, everyone hates it. And That's true. And I'm pretty sure everyone has good reasons to hate it. Like, it doesn't fit the tone of the original show. It's right. very rushed. A lot of plot just happens. Most of the backstory is based on... What was it like a Sega Saturn game? Yep. That I didn't was actually come bring out that up. It was States. a Sega Saturn game that never made out made it out in the US. And even if it did, who was gonna play it? Exactly. And so it was going off assumptions that you'd played the Sega Saturn game. Yeah. So it was it was completely absurd. But for the and, and I hated it the first time I saw it too, which was in high school or whatever when right. we were watching the Desco because it was so different. But when I went back to it, I actually enjoyed it a lot just as a I don't know. I, I liked it in the way that it took a different tone and showed a totally different way to look at an established universe, sort of through a different lens. Um, I also thought it was just kind of a fun uh, political story and um, sort of a rumination on nationalism and ideology. And, like, I don't know if it would hold up if I really thought about it that hard, but, right, you know, despite it all, I enjoy it. I mean, like, that movie is hard to get on just through the sheer value, just by, like, the, how different the main character of yeah. Nadesco is presented in Prince of Darkness. Like, it is just, like, that is like getting, like, a like a bucket of cold water just dumped over you because he takes a complete, like, 180 in personality. And they kind of vaguely explain it, why it is, why, like, why mm -hmm. he's like that. But it's just so, like, it's so bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. And I don't, I think that's the best answer I have for it off the top of my head. Um, that's fair. I also have a description of March Comes In Like a Lion, episode 28. Excellent. Alright, so, uh, it starts off with Ray deciding that he wants to play Shogi with Hina, and he's just basically trying to have a conversation with her. He has trouble going easy on her, um, but eventually learns a little more about what school life is like for her these days. Uh, he ends up going over and talking to Takahashi, who we haven't seen in a while, but was the baseball player from Hina's school, who she kind of had a crush on. And he can uh, convince Takahashi to check on Hina during lunch sometimes. Uh, which he does, and they start playing catch during lunch, which Hina enjoys, but because she's suddenly getting attention from a popular boy, uh, the bullies in her class start putting graffiti on Hina's desk, and then eventually on the wall. And this, obviously, you know, Ray is concerned that he's just making things worse by aggravating the bullies, uh, but hey, hey, Hina... <laughs> I combined their names. Hina is, you know, standing standing up for herself. She doesn't erase the graffiti at a certain point that's on the blackboard. She lets the teacher find it. And then she just says, hey, you know, I didn't do this. This was here when I got here. And I'll see where the chips fall. Yeah, basically. Um, so I just want to say real quick, uh, March Comes Like a Lion, I always enjoy it. It is not really a show I think that has ever, like, really 
engrossed me, I would say. Like, it's not something I... It's like, I always enjoy it watching it week to week. It is always sort of my oasis uh, in the desert of anime we've had to put up with a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, this is, I think, the first time I have watched an episode, and I have been, like, eager to watch the next one, oh, I Oh, yeah, say. totally. Um, it just because of that cliffhanger with where it left off, uh, I, the editing in this episode was, I think, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just in that very final sequence, when you're, at, when, like, with Ray's internal dialogue, you know, when he's thinking, it's like, you know, Hina's not just torn up about this. Like, she is not, like, just a depressed little girl. She's mad. She is angry at the world right now. And he kind of has this realization, and it keeps cutting back and forth, like, during this internal dialogue, of Ray calmly playing his game. And, like, this sort of, like, scene that's playing out where the teacher, like, discovers, like, her, uh, discovers, like, the, the writing on the chalkboard. And, like, you know, one of, the, one of the most striking things to me about that was that she immediately blamed Hina for it. Like, mm-hmm. despite the fact that these are horribly disparaging things that are being seen about, said about Hina, she's like, well, Hina, explain this. And she's like, I don't know. You tell me, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, just that whole, like, like intercutting between Ray talking about, you know, we see Ray play this game. And we're starting to, you kind of make these associations, like, this is how Hina's sort, like, how this is how Ray kind of made it through life by sort of withdrawing. He kind of found something he enjoyed. Uh, Hina's not doing that. She's fighting, mm-hmm. and and it just I just love the tension that these sort of interspersed like scenes create with one another. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it, yeah it creates a sense of pace that the show doesn't usually have. In right. that like. There's a lot of times where these episodes can kind of stand alone. Like right. you said, it, it, it can sort of just be... Even though it's a story about, you know, a high schooler trying to overcome debilitating depression. Um, the, the the stories themselves are often told and drawn in a way that's not very confrontational. Uh, but yeah, right. the, the imagery in this was really in your face, especially when you were getting in Hina's head. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the fact that, like... Every, well, I don't, I maybe enjoyed isn't the right word, but every good thing that ha- happens to Hina at school, like being able to see Takahashi more and talk to him and do something fun during lunch that's not awkward, that ends up making things worse for her. Uh, but, but at a certain point, she's right. like, okay, look, I mean, if you guys are going to try and make me miserable, you're, you might be digging your own grave. Right, basically, like, the more you accelerate this, the harder it gets to hide, basically. And when you make a big show about this, you're basically playing chicken with me. Like, like, you are, it's like, when you do this, like, you're pounding on the fact that I'm going to back down. Because that's kind of how bullying works, you know, it's under the expectation that the person does not, like will not, like, fight back. And, you know, a lot of times you try and ignore it, but at some point it's just very apparent that there's no, like, people just can't ignore it anymore. So, I mean, I guess the assumption Um, from their point of view is that she was going to go up and erase those words on the board. Um, 
Right, because she'd just be too embarrassed. She'd be thinking more about, like, oh gosh, like, I have to get the, get rid of this before right. anybody sees it, essentially. But she's kind of wearing it on her sleeve, mm-hmm. almost. Uh, I also think that there's something to be said about how, like, there might... I, I kind of feel like there's almost this realization, because Ray's thinking, oh no, I'm just making this worse. I don't think... But that's kind of also Ray internalizing his own situation, because, you know, his whole point was to withdraw from this situation like he just didn't want to deal with it Mm -hmm. anymore um Hina like I I think there's this sort of expectation that it doesn't really matter what Hina would do they just don't want Hina to be happy uh so it's like they're basically like challenging Hina's happiness here and that there's basically nothing else that she is allowed like Ray probably could have done anything, and they probably would have, would have, have found have, a way like, to react. Yeah, tried to. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's. All, I I kind of feel like there's sort of an aspect to Hina there as well, where she's kind of like, "Look, these girls are just going to keep at it no matter mm-hmm. what I do." Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of funny too that, you know, Takahashi he's doing his best to help, and right. he realizes that him coming in there is setting these girls off that they're calling Hina names under their breath right in front of him and he he acts like right. he didn't notice invites them outside he pretends like he's flirting with them and they're all giggly and then he just throws a f- like a baseball directly at their head like a... <laughs> like yeah you know, he's like well I could kill you with this but here we go um so that it, it was just kind of funny that like he clearly you know he felt like all right that settled it like I'm gonna I'm going to show them that I won't tolerate them being mean to her. That'll put them in their place. But no, you know, of course, escalation just creates... They they have pressure to escalate on the other side so that they won't get embarrassed or feel like that Hina won. Um, so yeah, and it's right. like, there's no fixing it on their own terms unless she can, you know, do something to get the teacher's attention. I thought that was really... I mean, so... I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I'm studying to uh, become a teacher um, as my you know, right. second career or whatever. I'm going to school now for it. And uh, I thought it was it was interesting seeing things from the teacher's perspective where she had this moment where she realized all the things she'd been blowing off that Hina had been saying had been true and that she had not taken her seriously, but now it was coming, you know... And so she didn't really know what to do. So she she did the thing that Hina didn't do. She just tried to erase it and make it go away and try to get through the class and pretend like it hadn't happened. Right. Um, but clearly she was freaking out. Right. Clearly she was freaking out. And clearly the students were having none of it because she's constantly, you know, you have these moments where it's like, please settle down, class, because, you know, kids are still giggling and she's trying to go on with her curriculum, you know, just as yeah. normal. You know, this is just another, this should have just been another school day. And that's how she's yeah, but who's to who's listening after all that just happened? Who's paying attention to whatever class she's trying? To right, teach? exactly. So uh, you know, she does mention to Hina, it's like you know, we need to have a talk after class. Um, yeah. I but you know, it's like yeah, there's really just no going back now. Right. Um. One other small point I wanted to make note of. I, this was something I really enjoyed. This was actually something I wanted to see out of the very first episode of the series. Um, I really appreciated the way uh, how they sort of captured Hina's isolation in this. 
Uh, just mm-hmm. because, like, the way that they portrayed it, like, with nothing but, like, you just sort of see us, like, you know, her day play out. There's no, like, like, extra music to it. There's no, like, diegetic music or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. all background noise. It, it's mm-hmm. just, and it's just, you, like, everybody else is talking around her, but you're just sort of watching Hina be silent and I mm. thought that was a really powerful way to sort of convey her sort of loneliness, her sort of isolation, her sort of, like, you're just, you're kind of, it's almost as if, though, the camera is, like, focusing on the least interesting part of the scene. Essentially. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's it felt like it was almost fixating on, like, a background character, which is kind of how Hina feels right now. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know, I, I really like, I really liked that scene. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I uh, I think we can move on to something that, well, I didn't quite enjoy as much. Right, uh, it, it was fine. Uh, welcome to the Ballroom, episode 20. Uh, this episode uh, comes back to Akira. We find out a little bit more about her backstory. Uh, we find out about how the two of them started drifting apart. Uh, eventually she hears about how Chinatsu gave up her dance. Apparently she saw, this was around the time she saw, or Akira saw her moment of strike. She kind of, she find she overhears Minam, uh, Mine in her, in her father's cafe. She asks him if she wants to dance with him because her, his, his wife is giving up. Uh, afterwards, uh, she sees that Chinatsu is actually watching her, uh, and apparently, uh, Chinatsu and Tadara, after she walks out and they come, go back out for the next heat, uh, Chinatsu and Tadara actually end up cheering for her, which seems to, uh, sort of, sort of break her, uh, icy stance towards, uh, Chinatsu. Uh, second half of the episode is largely just about Chinatsu and Tadara preparing for the next heat. Uh, Tadara gets a nice massage from Hyodo, which apparently loosens him up, but it loosens him up too much, because now he's apparently not in control of his body anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a note I made. I think... I mean, I don't know. It felt like there was an interesting short story about Chinatsu and Akira last week, and right. I felt like it had a good beginning, middle, and end. You, you feel you understood it. And then this episode, it just sort of kind of tacked on some points. And, it, like, it didn't totally flow as a single story. It was yeah. a lot of back and forth between flashback and present. And you still felt like you were missing some things. It didn't feel like you really understood... I don't know. It, it didn't yeah, feel I, to me like I totally understood where Akira was coming from the whole time. And then it... They just sort of moved on. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like this episode kind of muddled it, because I kind of don't get why the two of them drifted apart now. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't get it at all. Like, it, it just sort of feels like, oh, well, I guess we're not friends anymore. And, you know, I was kind of expecting that, you know, the way these sorts of stories are written, you have two friends, they're good friends, something starts to drive them apart, that's sort of the incident that sort of spurs this sort of new heated rivalry, why they don't like each other anymore... And now they, and then this matches how they sort of start making amends. And I feel like we got a lot of that, but we didn't really get that specific moment in there that sort of explained, okay, this is why the two of them are no longer getting along. Well, yeah, all that happened was that Akira <coughs> heard Shinatsu was going to stop dancing from her mom. Like, 
And that was it. Yeah. There was no confrontation. There was no perspective from Chinatsu of what made her quit. There was nothing. Right. And I'm not even saying that it's necessarily wrong that, you know, the two of them just sort of drifted apart. That's a fine story. But we didn't really kind of, we didn't really see that happen. All we really saw is the two of them sort of hanging out. But they were just sort of being meaner to each other. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um... The other thing I wanted to bring up about this episode, did this episode feel, like, a little off to you? Well, there were certain sequences, um, because you uh, messaged me before I had watched this one, and you said it felt like the animation direction was just different. Right. And, yeah, obviously not the whole time, but there were certain sequences where they got goofy. Yeah. And for me, it was those. It was those goofy sequences where they had these super... Like, I don't know, limbless, wobbly character designs uh, that were supposed to communicate humor. But to (laughs) me, they just seem totally out of place with the tone of the rest of the show. Yeah, kind of. Because, I mean, it's not as if, though, the series hasn't had, like, comedic moments. Not that they were particularly funny. Mm -hmm. But it felt like they started, like, it just feels so out of place with the show. Yeah, they have comedic moments, but they don't, like, compare totally manipulate the character designs to identify hey this is comedy now usually they'll just have you know big expressions or something but they don't have fundamentally different character designs right this one they did yeah this one they kind of did but also kind of because it was like they didn't do it enough i would say because they were still in model enough with their normal character animation or -hmm. like with their normal character model but they still didn't like like, they were still, like, they were off, but they weren't so off where it was very visually clear that, like, okay, this is, like, a comedic moment. It, it was kind of in this weird halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that this show did actually, that this style did actually elicit one of the biggest laughs from me, though, uh, mm-hmm. that I have had from this entire show. Which was when Tadara is watching this lovey-dovey couple. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, you see these hearts sort of springing around him, and, like, one of the hearts just lightly bumps against his head. Um, And it's like, that's funny! Like, but that's, like, the one thing that was, like, a really, like, funny, creative joke. And that's not... It sounds weird, but that's not really the show. Yeah, why is this show having jokes and visual gags all of a sudden? What happened? Yeah, exactly. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, uh, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand. I thought it was a fine episode. Honestly, it wasn't as big of a decline as we've had from the series after, like, a genu- genu- as from a genuine high point. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Like, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, you know what else didn't feel right? <laughs> uh, was it two-car, Matt? It's always two car. Okie doke. So why don't I go ahead and talk about that? It's episode seven. So this episode is all about Maria and Yuria uh, following their motorcycle accident. Uh, the rest of the girls band together. They fix up their motorcycle for them, and they immediately trash it again because they just can't get in sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls are so frustrated about this that. Uh, they end up taking a walk to try and clear their head at night. They end up running into one another. 
and they sort of reminisce over this one incident where apparently a boy asked both of them out and didn't realize that he had asked out this different person or two different people. Uh, afterwards, uh, one of them gets just so upset. Uh, she runs off. She starts... The, it was the passenger. She starts driving off on the bike at intensely high speeds. Uh, Yuria, or one of the, the other twin, chases after her along with... Uh, you got it backwards hilariously. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but she races off with uh, Yuri and Megumi uh, to try and catch her. She, her bike eventually catches on fire... Uh, she falls off the road, but she manages to become... She manages to be uninjured, and the two of them decide, hey, we were fine when we were both just the same person. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... I think the, the weirdest thing to me is that their character arc in, you know, this two-episode sequence, it went from... They're completely identical. No one can tell them apart. They are interchangeable and have the same opinions and thoughts about everything. Right. They decide that they are physically separate people... And maybe they would be better if they grew and developed their own strengths and their own experiences. Uh, and then they find out that's wrong. And you <laughs> should lose your individuality in the identity of someone else to the point where you are interchangeable. So at the end of the episode, they say some real uncomfortable stuff. Um, <laughs> like, I am Maria, but I'm also Yuria. Yeah, they basically said we don't mind if you confuse us. Like, exactly, it because matter. we are we are the same person, and we're going to refer to one another as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's what they say. They say like, "How are you feeling, me?" When talking to their twin, which I mean, I've met identical twins. They don't literally think of the other person as the same person. Right. They refer to them as themselves. Uh, I also want to point out that in spite of their desperate attempts to be the same person, they have to inherently be different. Because yeah. one is a driver and one is the passenger. Those are... They make it clear in this episode that those are two completely different skill sets. Exactly. And Yuria doesn't know how to drive a bike. So right. she gets in an accident. Because yeah. she's not the same person. Right. So... Like, the show is sort of defying... It's sort of contradicting itself in its own plot points. Yeah. It's it's interesting to... Well, interesting might not be the right word. Uh, <laughs> it's something, too, that once again, this character arc, all it's done is establish two characters, establish their primary character traits, have them go through something, and then at the end of that arc, they're exactly the same as they were at the beginning. I mean... I know we've we've been reminding each other that you know the they are complete based on the trope that they fit into, right? And they cannot grow out beyond that trope. But it's just weird that you would spend so much time focusing on how these characters change, but refuse to let them change. Yeah, kind of like why is the show even interesting to watch at that point? If we're... well. <laughs> I would maintain that it is not <laughs> right. No, but the, I, I, conceptually, I, yes, I'm asking as like a general question here. Like, how could they believe that this could be an interesting show without even actually having any sort of internal growth or conflict? Everybody yeah. sort of starts out the same and ends the same. Like, yeah. there's just sort of a minor hiccup along the way. So we're two thirds of the way through this show, right? Well, almost two thirds of the way through this show. Uh, we've seen character arcs for three of these partners. 
Yes. Um, in the show's timeline, it's been like two weeks uh, <laughs> that they've just been sort of vaguely taking baths and adjusting motorbikes. Yeah. And even the characters, they've what was interesting in this episode, they all acknowledged, "Hey, um I'm actually ready for the race. I've, you know, we've adjusted our bike. All our all our tests are done. Uh we don't have anything to do until the race." So that's why they could all help the twins fix their bike because right. they literally had nothing else to do. So how what are we gonna do now? Is it, I know, are we just going to have the race and choose not to develop half the characters? Fine with me. Um, <laughs> or are they just going to have two more of these little mini arcs and just keep testing their bikes that they've already said they don't need to test anymore? And I love that you bring up the sequence as well, where the where they just sort of decide, hey, let's just fix all, the, let's just fix their bike. Uh, mm. Because the announcer, I love that the announcers even try and justify this within the show. Because they're yeah. like, hey, you know, like, you'll only find this in, uh, in Twin Kneeler Motors. Racing. Yeah. yeah, you'll only find this in Kneeler Racing. Like, these sort of rivals that constantly help each other out, that converse and are friendly with one another. You'll only find this in Kneeler in Neil Racing, which I kind of took as, yeah, guys, we know this doesn't make any dang sense. Just deal with it, okay? It's just part of the culture, it's or just so It's part we of the say. culture, guys. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, don't even worry about it. And yeah. it's like, I can't believe that at least one group didn't see an opportunity to eliminate one of their rivals there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very unclear what this race is for... And, I mean, I know they keep saying it's to race on the Isle of Man, but, like, was this race preceded by anything? Are there any races after this? Have they ever met before? I don't know any, anything <laughs> about any of this. Like, I don't know why any of these things are happening. And they've been practicing for two weeks. <laughs> they've been shutting down the streets for two weeks. Um, these are the more interesting questions. They are, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, uh, I uh, did look back. I, I think I, I messaged you oh, earlier yes, this yes, you week. Did. We brought up the question last week of whether the first episode we could infer based on the twins' haircuts, whether it had occurred at the beginning of the show or after the events of the show we've seen so far. And yeah, you, your intuition was correct that in the first episode. Maria and Yuria both have their haircut already, so the first episode takes place at the end of the show, clearly. Right. It's not clear whether it's the final event of the show, but so we already know that on a race that they have, Yuri and Megumi win. Right. But it but they also maintain that it's in not the, the first episode. Race. Yeah, it doesn't count. So they're just having a pre race race like how many pre-race races do they have to have in this show like what is this all leading up what is this like are we gonna have another episode like is the final because okay so we've always we always get two episode chunks for characters right yeah so is are like the final two episodes just gonna be the final chunk of episodes or like the final chunk of like character stories or something like yeah i imagine we're gonna have eight nine and then ten eleven are gonna be it's gonna be that like the goth couple right and then the osakan couple right and we're never gonna get 
a, a set about Hitomi and Mao because we get a little aside with them right. sitting by themselves at a business establishment <laughs> that no one works at every week and basically have them like brag about how close they are but oh no but haha they're not really yeah um, uh, whatever that is before so, we move uh, on by the way yeah. I, I have one more thing i want to discuss about two car i'm sorry oh um, you? there's one more thing i wanted to bring up though uh, i want to bring up their central conflict that sort of inspired this desire for change between the two of them so i i'm trying to str- i'm struggling with the timeline here for that as well believe it or not so, in their memory, or <laughs> yeah. what we find out, the two boy, they're like, there's one boy who asks one of them out, right? Yep. And then he apparently asks another one out, right? He doesn't realize, though, that it's not the same person. Sure. He, um, the first, the person, the first person he asked already accepted the date. Mm-hmm. Did he ask her again? Did he think he was asking her again? I mean, yeah, I I don't know, because it seemed like they separately confessed to him. Oh! So I think, like, they maybe made plans for a date after that, but it seemed like both of them separately had had a confession to this boy. Okay. So I imagine the first time he was like, oh, wow, this girl from my class likes me. Great. And he agreed to, you know, go on a date with her. And then, and then the other one, like, gave him a, a, put a note in his locker and met him after school. And he's like, oh, uh. Are we doing this again? Hi. And she confessed. And he's like, yes. Like I said before, we can meet on Saturday at four. And she's like, okay. Uh. But it's like, like, how did the second person not catch on to the fact that somebody, that. The other had already confessed at that point. Well, yeah, and because the the hilarious thing about this is that he would have had to not say anything. Because if they were both confessing, he would have had to say, this seems normal, and not (laughs) said, like, why are you doing this again? Do you have amnesia? You know, he didn't ask any questions. He just said, this seems, this is fine. Yeah, uh, like I said, Not uh, only Saturday that, at 4. But I also have to imagine that, you know, they have to be kind of known a little bit as, like, the identical twins of their yeah. school. Right, how does he go to this school and not know? And, like, and also not realize, oh, okay, so the second twin is confessing to me now, so I better let her know. Yeah. But instead and he just is like, oh, never mind. He also didn't know which one asked, like, he didn't even know the the first name of the girl who he thought he was going out with. Oh, that's he, true too. You know, he just said like, "Oh, Shishudochan asked me out." And they're like, "Which one?" He's like, "Whatever." <laughs> 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 like, what kind of human is this? And once again, he didn't have a face. Right. But you know, in his defense, even with their haircut, uh Yuri and Megumi still couldn't tell them apart. They couldn't even figure out which one was the one they were chasing. I'm not saying it's he's wrong for not being able to tell them. <laughs> That's fine. What I'm saying is funny is that when he was asked out by whoever he right, thought right. was asking him out, he didn't know the first name of the person who was asking him out, and he didn't ask. Right. It's just like, oh, yeah, sure, she should know. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But, yeah, it's it's just so 
bizarre. Like, this show doesn't seem to understand, like, it, because it really wanted to have this conflict between the two girls. But they didn't really think out the details of how this would actually play out. Yeah. Which kind of sums up the show. Yep. Sure does. Uh, you want to move on to Big Windup? I do. Please. Okay. Alright, so we've got uh, Big Windup, episode 5. Uh, kicks off in the bottom of the fourth inning where Hanai is up. Two outs. The bases are loaded. This is his <coughs> moment. The, the goal that initiator uh, is really going for here is they want to score seven runs because if you can have if they can have a seven run lead by the bottom of the seventh then the game will end um so that's what it, he's going for they have six runs he wants to drive it in uh and he strikes out because he freaks himself out uh that's sort of the the through line for this this episode is about hanai realizing how much he's comparing himself to tajima he talks to Mahashi about it. He realizes that Mahashi is actually comparing himself to Tajima and comparing himself to Hanai. And Taj- Tajima, at the end of the episode, it, uh, reveals that he's jealous of Hanai for certain things. So he, by, by the end, Hanai is able to get to the point where he's confident enough to get a hit. And he drives in uh, the final two runs uh, to give Nishira an 8-0 lead. And... Uh, and so in the last opportunity for Sakitama, the captain sort of squanders, he flies out, Daichi comes up, and instead of walking him like they have the whole game, they finally agree to pitch to him because right. basically they've won regardless. He almost gets a home run, but he flies out to center field with Hanai, and uh, Nishira wins the game. Right. Um. So I, I think my major takeaway from this episode... Uh, largely, like, this is gonna be weird, because even though this episode was mostly focused on Hanai, I think this episode really drove home the fact of just how socially awkward Mihashi is. Oh my gosh, he can't get out a sentence. Like, honestly, watching this, I think part of this also, so, here's a little, uh, behind-the-scenes Koshian cast magic, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> for the viewers at home, or the listeners at home, whatever. Uh... So, we actually watched the first season of Big Wind Up dubbed, because we, we're generally people who like dubs. We're, we're fine mm-hmm. with dubs, generally. Uh, but st- uh, second season was never dubbed. So, I, I think in this episode, I really noticed how different the voice actor is for Mihashi in the Japanese version. Like, I was watching him trying to interact with Hanai, and it's like, all I can think is, like, Mihashi is not just, like, damaged... He might actually have, like, a social disorder. Right. Like... It's not just that he's shy. Right. It's, like, this is not just mere shyness here. Like, this is a kid who is, like... Who really, like, does not know how to interact with people. Right. Um, and and I don't know. I, I, that, it's weird how that was my big takeaway, I realize. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I do like how the show can sometimes also drive home... Like, we don't really talk enough about the show's comedic timing a lot of times. Uh, I I really liked how in Hanai and Mihashi's first interaction, we kind of just get this single shot of the two of them talking. And when it's time for Mihashi to go out, it's like, it's just one continuous shot. Mihashi, like, freaks out. He knocks over a cup. He puts it back (laughs) up. And then just sort of his body almost sort of, like, flows out of the dugout. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's like, man, this show just has, like, such a great sense of, like, like placement, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was funny seeing Mahashi, and I think it makes him make a little more sense. Right. That it's not just that he's scared of Abe, or he wants to impress Abe, because it's not just about Abe. Right. It's that he has trouble expressing himself and getting his point across and talking to a lot of people. And basically anyone that he's impressed by or he feels like he has to compare himself against, right. he has a hard time communicating with. Whereas, you know, some of the other guys that he doesn't feel that same level of pressure from, he's fine. It's just that Hanai and Abe, you know, make him freak out a little bit. Right, because um, they're just so good. Even though Tajima is actually pretty good, but Tajima just has an air about him. Yeah, he has a the personality where they 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 have an understanding. Like I, um, I love how they're when they're talking. Like you know, uh, Tajima assumes Hanai is bullying uh, Mihashi, and like he's like he's standing up to Hanai. It's like, hey, stop it! And Mihashi just like, no, no, he's not. Don't worry, he wasn't. And Tajima's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Well, later, Hanai. Yeah, exactly. Like just. Him and Mihashi are weirdly similar in that, even though they have two very different personalities, they are both incredibly simple people. Yeah. Um, I I think the biggest point of growth from here is just recogni- Hanai recognizing how it's okay and healthy to compare himself to Tajima. That, like, he needs to have... If he was satisfied with being the best person on the team, it meant... It means that he wouldn't grow. And recognizing that the people who are the best on the team, like Mahashi and Tajima, are also uncomfortable with themselves. And they're the only reason that they're as good as they are is because they're comparing themselves to other people. Right. Um, I mean, it's not like the deepest lesson in the world, but it, it sort of it helped inform a lot of how this team got to where it is. Right. And it's, I I think it is also kind of an important lesson to realize sometimes that, you know, it it is kind of part of life you're always going to be comparing yourself to people, just, you know, what you make of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. Overall, I think the Sakitama game was a good one. Um, It was, I don't know, it was was very different from the first one because there was no pressure. You knew who was going to win. Right. uh, But you got to see a different kind of baseball. You got to see these guys sort of engage with, okay, so we're clearly dominating, like... What does that mean for us? How wh- what are what are our metrics for success if we we don't have to worry about the game? You know, right, right, exactly. And I, I think that's something that the show does fairly well because you know what's interesting about this game is really just watching. You know, the question that you go into it isn't whether or not they're going to win. Obviously, they're going to win. It's whether or not Hanai is going to turn out all right mm-hmm. because that's really what this game is writing on here. That's really the heart of this match. Mm-hmm. is uh, Hanai kind of getting over his self-doubt. Yeah, they're going to be fine without him. Like, that's clear. But do we want them to be fine without Hanai? Right. Right. So, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to seeing how this show moves into its second half. I, I assume they'll have one more full game Yeah. Uh, in this show. And um, it'll probably... I mean, I have... I have to imagine it'll be against Bijo because those sort of hinted at from the right. First I mean, episode. that seems to be the game that they're building up to. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing one. So that'll probably be like a five, 
That's probably going to take up the rest episode. of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine it'll probably, like, the actual gameplay will probably be about five episodes, which to me is, for a competitive game, is a great length. Yeah. Because it'll be a lot more controlled than the Tose game was, which was probably, like, a little too long. <laughs> even Matt, though it was please, fun. it was only the second half of the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I I think it'll be... It, that's the one show where I don't have to worry about any like how it'll hold up right all right well matt i appreciate your time and i appreciate uh uh stepping on the pod as you you know seem to do quite frequently well you know i am the secondary host so i like to uh make my appearances okay our logo design is by james ratcliffe the theme music is fly high by burnout syndromes covered and performed by luke bartka you can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. <laughs>